Hey everybody, it's Matt Johnson here. Welcome to the Pursuing Results Podcast, where we interview successful people on one book that changed their life. We've got another amazing guest with us today. We're talking about an amazing and super, super influential book. Uh, for those of you that know that uh, the, my, the world that I run in is, is real estate mostly, and then the consulting worlds. Uh, my co-host, Greg McDaniel, is also, his background is in real estate, and so many of you will know the book that we are referring to if you run in those same circles. But for those that are outside, this book may be new to you, but it should not be, because it was a best and it's a phenomenal book in its own right. So we're going to talk about The One Thing by Gary Keller, who's the founder of Keller Williams, which is now the largest real estate brokerage, and they're taking over the world and possibly might have locations on Mars before the end of the year, who knows. Uh, but we're going to talk about the, the impact of that book uh, has had on our special guest. Let me first bring in uh, my regular co-host, Greg McDaniel. Greg, what's up today? Matt, I am blessed to be here with you uh, doing another episode. One of my favorite books we're going to talk about today, The One Thing. It is truly awesome. After I read it, I actually put a lot of its principles into action, and I was able to weed out a lot of the stuff that I should not be doing and is able to you know start focusing you know intensely intensely that's not even a word intensely on exactly what I need to do so I cannot wait to talk to Scott and get his point of view on this that's right yeah and let's bring in our guest so Scott Love Scott what's up today oh I'm doing great how are you guys very amazing well. So for those that don't know you, you're in a completely different industry, and that's that's what this podcast is about. We love we love to interview successful people from a variety of industries, but give us just the 60 second bio on who you are, where you are, and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. I came out of the executive search industry. I spent 20 years doing that. Uh, since 2002, I started doing a lot of training for recruiting firms, and I've also done quite a bit of keynote speaking uh, to corporate groups on the topic of employee loyalty. Uh, as a high-stakes headhunter, I figured out why people will turn down better opportunities, and it's because of that relationship with the boss, one level up. That's it. So that's what I speak on. Gotcha. All right, so let's uh, we'll get into the the one thing. So kind of set the stage a little bit in terms of when this book kind of came into your life and and where you were at in your business at that time. I'd say probably about six months ago. You know how it is. You go to the Barnes and Noble bookstores, and I'm one of these guys that I go there, I see all the books there, and then I go to Amazon Prime while I'm in the store. <laughs> I can save <laughs> so in other words, you're smart. That's what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Plus free shipping. I know it's it's kind of cheesy. I hate to say that, but. Uh, but that's what I do. I mean, I'm a, I'm a book junkie. I mean, I just love it. It's uh, I try to spend an hour a day in personal development where whether I'm listening to a podcast, I'm downloading an audio book, or I'm reading, I'll book, keep books around the house, and I'll just use little minutes here and there just to kind of keep the brain full, you know. And so this book, I'd seen it, I'd seen it, I'd seen it, and finally I thought, well, I'll pick it up. It's a small book. I can handle that. You know, so it wasn't too intimidating. <laughs> I think people appreciate small books. Plus, I think it had some pictures in it, so that added to the appeal. Oh, and then I saw, yeah, I saw. It, it reminded me of one of those one of those Shel Silverstein uh, poetry books I read as a kid. It's it seems yeah, it is super simple, like black and white. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so I read it, and uh, I was instantly drawn to it. Actually, I think I ordered a copy, probably a used copy from Amazon Prime, so I actually had somebody's notes already in there, so it nice. kind of helped me. <laughs> but the thing that I, I like the idea, because I'm of, of let's find the most effective way to accomplish the result. Not necessarily the easiest way, but let's find the most effective way to get mm -hmm. there. Uh, and as I mentioned with you guys earlier, I used to be a high-stakes, uh, semi-professional card-counting blackjack player where there's a defect in the game of blackjack and if you understand the math behind it you can mathematically exploit the casinos legally because you're just using your brain. Two of the guys that were on the MIT blackjack team 
they were clients of mine. I consulted to them for a year and a half. I said, I won't charge you. You help me with my game. And so they coached me for about a year and a half. So I've been kicked wow. out of casinos and, and banned from one of them. So, But, but the whole point <laughs> is uh, I look at game theory in anything that I do. I don't want to spend time in an area unless I have a high likelihood of a favorable outcome. And if I see that I'm pursuing a certain path, I'm going to ask myself, what are those things I can do to give myself better odds? So I'm always looking for that edge in anything that I do. Uh, and so in reading the book, the, one of the first concepts I read, it talked about the Pareto Principle. 80% of what we do comes from about 20% of our efforts. Well, if we can look at 80% of our results come from 20% of our efforts, let's look at that 20% of our efforts and let's just drill down on that and focus on that and delegate or uh, put off everything else. And so I really like that idea and I like the concepts that Gary gave to ask yourself those questions. What's the one thing I can do this week? What's the one thing I can do today to get me those uh, results? Uh, in the executive search industry that I came out of on the, on the very first day on the job, I learned the idea of blocking my day, creating a budget for my day, a calendar for my day. I'm going to block myself certain time blocks. So that was a habit I developed back in 1995. And it was interesting to read in Gary's book, that's the same thing that he does. Uh, I've always believed that to lead a successful life, you have to have a disciplined life. And it doesn't mean that your life is going to be boring or you're going to be a drag or nobody's going to want to hang out with you. It means that you have intense uh, focus. And I, I always put it in four things. This is my own concept. You've got to have a clear intention. You've got to have a clear amount of focus. You've got to have a lot of intensity, meaning I'm putting a lot of energy on this singular task at hand right now, and then focus on execution, doing that one thing really well. Uh, so personally, philosophically, this book uh, kind of jive with the things that I'd learned to be true, but what it really helped me to do in my business was to make a decision. Instead of, I'm going to do these three business things, I'm just going to do one, and I'm going to have to say goodbye to some of the other things that I'd had a lot of success with and have to let go of those so I can pursue with a full-on focus some of the things that I'm really excited about. Uh, so for me personally, it was, it was a meaningful book, and it's something I've recommended to a lot of people that I do advisory work with, and it's, and it's been very successful to them. And it's, it's, it's just it's amazing to me how a simple concept can open people's minds up and see that they do have uh, issues that are inhibiting them, things that are blocking them, things that are keeping them from being successful. And I think we live in a world where we are, we, are, uh, we have distractions all over us. Uh, we have thousands of distractions every hour. And so this book, it helps us to ask ourselves meaningful questions uh, that work. And that's what's exciting about that. It's a simple concept. It's an easy book to read. It's an enjoyable book to read. And it gives you a tremendous amount of power from that. That's why I liked it. That's why I was pretty excited about that. Yeah, it's funny yeah, it's that you funny. mentioned that in terms of the, the opportunities coming up because it's um, – sorry, we're getting a little a little feedback there. But there's uh, there was an article that I just came across. I think it was two days ago while I was kind of doing what you mentioned, Scott, just in those little bits of time. You fill up and you try to do a little bit of personal development. And I came across a blog post by the guy that, that founded uh, digitalmarketer.com. And he said, was talking about the problem of opportunities. You have all these opportunities out here. And his mentality always was, well, let's chase them all. Like, can you make money on them? That, like, that was the, the the question was, do we think we can make money at this? If the answer was yes, pursue the opportunity. Uh, and, and there was no – he realized that he needed to go back and establish some core values. And like you talked about, the the intention – and then what was the what was the second step? It was was it clarity or focus that you used? Focus. 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 
and, and so whenever when I've done a lot of my tactical training with people in the recruiting industry, because of all these distractions, I teach them uh, that the only thing that counts in life is what's happening right now at this point in time. And I even created a tool where it's a pretty simple tool. They just look at their they're, they're basically setting hour by hour goals of reaching a certain number of people over the phone, and they highlight those hour by hour goals with the highlighter, and they keep track of that. So what it does, it brings their gaze and their attention to this period of time. This six-minute minute period of time, and I teach them that nothing happened, nothing counts except for right now. Tomorrow doesn't matter. This afternoon, it's not even here. Yesterday, it's just a memory, and so it helps to bring their focus just on making those phone calls during that 60-minute period of time. And then, because we have a finite goal of I want to reach X number of people in the next 60 minutes, now that builds my intensity, which is the third one that I mentioned. You know, you've got my intention, I've got my focus, I've got my intensity. Now I'm, you know, if I've only reached three people, but my goal is to reach one more person, and some, and I've got five minutes left. Somebody wants to talk to me about their weekend. Hey, I can't talk to you. I've got to reach that one extra person. So it's, it's by showing them if they're talking to four people per hour, if I can help them squeeze out one more phone call each hour, that's a 25% increase in what's called their throughput, their calls per hour, their connects per hour. If they can do that every hour over the course of a year, that's not going to be a 25% increase to income. That's going to be about a 40% increase because more conversations means more opportunities, and it creates a synergistic effect. And the, yeah. the fourth one was execution, how well they do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, but, but Gary's book, I mean, it fits squarely in some of the things that I knew to be true and, uh, you know, just really helped me make some very important strategic decisions. And, uh, and I think it would help anybody that takes the time to read through it. And so I'm going to go... Was, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. So if someone was going to, you know, wasn't quite clear on what they needed to eliminate, what were some of the things that you put into action to help clear out the clutter? How did you make a decision on what your one thing was? For me, I had to ask myself a question of what I cannot do without. Because uh, I like doing recruiting. I mean, I'd done legal recruiting for law firms. I'd recruited partners. I'd done, uh, gotten involved in law firm mergers. Uh, and in that business, if you put 100% of your time into it, you're going to get 100% return back. But if you put 80% of your time into it, you're probably going to get about a 20% return back. Wow. Because I love doing recruiting and I love speaking and training. And so for me, you know, here it was. I had a very successful search practice and I had a training and speaking business that had promise. I had to give up one thing to do something that I was much more passionate about. So I had to ask myself, what can I do without? What can I do without recruiting? I could. Uh, can I do without speaking and training and consulting? I don't think I could. I really enjoy that. I think I like the creative part of that a lot more. I get, maybe it's just because you know I'm, I'm I'm pushing 50. You know I know appreciate that. I don't, uh, you're surprised when I said that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. For those that couldn't, for those who are listening instead of watching, we were shocked. Our jaws hit the floor. I know, it's tough. I'm no still way. putting on my jaw. No. But maybe it's that, that time in my life where I'd rather just. Uh, I mean, I can't believe this. A week ago, I took work. Because it was fun. Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? You know, it's just one of those things. You know, there's not as much profit in that. It's like fun, come, right? You know, we all want to get to that place where the majority of what we're doing is what we would rather be doing, and only 20% of it is uh, the, the stuff that we don't want to do, right? That's, the that's grind. right. Absolutely right. That's right, and, and, and I guess it's like you know, I've I've done some things, and I've kind of checked the box there, and I'm good if I don't do that again. Uh, so I want to do some different things. So it helped me to kind of ask myself. Mm -hmm. You know, what is that one thing I want to do? And I, and I had to come up with deeper questions because, you know, I could do either one. I mean, it, basically I said, okay, I'm just going to flip a coin. And whichever answer it is, that's the one that I want to do. And then 
when it was the one I really wanted, wanted, I'm like, oh, that's really good. But if it wasn't, I would probably flip it again. You know, <laughs> but, it, but just in flipping that coin, I think that in itself is an exercise that helps us to gain clarity in decision making. You know, you flip that coin, what does it show you? How do you really feel about that? Um, but by asking myself that question, what can I do without? You know, can I do without this or can I do without this? You know, that's how I had to make that that difficult decision. And uh, you know, I feel really bad for my wife. She's been with me on this journey, you know, the whole time, flip flopping back and forth. And and you guys know this. You don't get anything unless you focus like a laser beam on that one thing. Yeah. You know, and that's why I think Gary's book resonates with all of us because we're mature professionals. We've been there. We see distractions like you were talking about, Greg, the guy that says any idea, let's just chase any idea. Yeah. yeah. You know, you don't get very far with that. You know, you can't be an astronaut ballerina. You know, you gotta choose one thing. <laughs> no, you, you I was going for millionaire astronaut cowboy, but I, I get you, I get your point. Yeah. Well I know I saw my little girl's four and she wants to be an astronaut ballerina. So yeah. that's uh, <laughs> you gotta choose one. You know, the, the yeah, one thing true. that Steve Jobs said a long time ago that you know he'd wake up in the morning, he'd look at himself in the mirror, and if he hasn't, if he's doing something he do, doesn't want to do on his last day, and he's been doing it for too long, he goes ahead and he changes it, right? Well, changed it. He's no longer with us, unfortunately. But you get the point. I mean, I look at myself in the mirror, and there are definitely things in my life that I just really do not care for. And if I do it for too much, I will eliminate it or find a way to have it, you know, outsource it to somebody else so that we can keep doing something, but I don't have to be the one doing it. You're absolutely right. I think that's a smart way to do it. That's absolutely yeah. smart. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of this stuff gets down to to self awareness, right? So Scott, you have to have you have to have the self awareness to know what do I really want, what what yeah. are my real goals? Because if you're going to really narrow down, cut out, let's say eighty percent of just the busy work, just the the stuff that makes up the bulk of our schedule, you better know exactly what you want. Because if you're going to start cutting out things, uh, you're not you can't fall back on just the the refrain of well I'm busy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would I would agree with that. Absolutely right. Yeah. So it goes that you know what like how did you has that been something that you've always had that to me like the self awareness is there's some people that there's an element of talent and there's an element of skill to it right you've got people that are insanely self aware on their own and they've always been like that and then you've got people I feel like I'm I kind of fall into the latter category that's a skill that I've had to build I've had to really spend some time figuring out what I really want and then okay well, that's where I want to put you know the bulk of my time and effort to to figure out okay what's getting 20 what's the 20% that's getting the 80% of the results and then how do I zero in on that because that stuff those results are really what I want does that make sense it does and i i don't know if a lot of people really know what they want i think a lot of it has to do with how you were raised uh, did you know and it doesn't mean did you come from a good family you could have come from an orphanage and still be wildly successful as long as you had some sort of a charismatic adult that took an interest and saw some potential uh, I think some of the things that you guys might have done at an early age, maybe sports, music, art, school, you learned at a young age that for you to be that first chair in the honors band, you got to go home and you got to practice for an hour or two hours a day without your mom or dad telling you. And you learned habits of success at a young age. And mm -hmm. I just don't know if everybody has gone through those life experiences. I don't think that they've taken enough risks to really get out there and make a lot of mistakes. And I think a lot of it has to do with the sting of failure. Uh, something I learned from one of my mentors, Dr. Ken Christian, who's a performance on, on human potential, uh, that there's no such thing as failure. That's just a feedback mechanism. Mm -hmm. you know, and I, th I think a lot of people, just because of that fear of failure, they don't try, so they don't develop the experiential base, meaning that they don't get enough of that self-awareness because they haven't had enough of the failure, enough of the success. So they just kind of go along like a, like a zombie drone. 
you know, a, a powerless, uh, a powerless person that's just on a path that's um, where yeah. they're just settling every day. You know. You know, I heard a great comment about that, a great saying on it. It says rejection equals protection. You know what? So, you know, if people are going out there and they're getting hit with, you know, negativity, well, that could be them being protected from another outcome in the universe or God or whatever you believe in, you know, is for guiding you down a certain path. So when people get stung with failure or whatever else, they've been taught that that's a negative thing. They haven't been taught that that could potentially be the best thing that ever had happened to them. We'd, all of us being guys, we've all dated some gal and then we got our hearts broken because, oh, dang it, she broke up with a boo-hoo, cried, cried into a bottle of a beer, right? But in reality, I've gone back and looked at a couple of my exes, and I'm like, oh, hell no. I am so glad I sidestepped that landmine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> would have blown my leg off. It would have been ugly. Uh, but, I, love oh, the, I love the empathy we're feeling all here. You know, this is... Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, some of the things that I do that I write down is this is a journal that I, uh, I'm starting to keep again. It's my perfect day. Um, I write awesome. down what my perfect day is, um, but I continually refine it. The goals and everything are consistently changing. So yeah. what you wanted six months ago it probably isn't exactly what you wanted today. So keep refining it and writing it down. Those things that you want, write them down three times in a row. You know, it's that's, that's great. the that will help you find your one thing. You know, that's awesome. That's great. My perfect day. I like that. Yeah, Scott. What do you what do you do to keep yourself on track? Some that in that similar vein. A lot of journaling, like what you yeah. talked about. You know, when you held up your journal, most people don't keep a journal. Uh, whenever I speak, that's a very big part of whether I'm speaking to groups on leadership or people within my recruiting vertical niche. Uh, how many of you have a journal? Maybe one out of 300 people raise their hand. And I think oh, that's yeah. part of that self-awareness. Oh. You know, that's, that's the place. You know, w when we are at work, if we're a manager or if we're in sales, we've got the external relationships. We also have that internal relationship. And I think that's what somebody has to master. You yeah. know, that, that emotional intelligence that we've learned from Dan Goleman through his books, you know, uh, emotional intelligence, working with emotional intelligence, primal leadership, you know, that that is the core of why people come to work every day. And if a manager doesn't understand how to have that emotional connection with other people and to make it productive and positive and how to be effective in how he manages or she manages his or her own emotions, they're not going to be effective at getting the team to go forward and accomplish a goal. And I think just that awareness, most people aren't even aware of this. Even even very smart people, when I was working my, my legal recruiting niche, recruiting partners, I'd ask them, do you have a journal? Because this is going to be an emotional process as you go forward talking with other law firms. No, no one ever had anything like that. I think that's very rare. Where, where did you learn to do that? How, well, how old were you when you started doing that? I started doing, I'm 37 now, I started doing this for three Three plus years ago, I uh, I had a nasty breakup with a woman that I absolutely was fully in love with, and I'm like, shoot, I have no other place to go. I might as well start writing down my days, writing down my goals, writing down different things that I want, and, I'm, and I just threw it all at the fan to see what was going to happen because I had no direction at that point, right? Mm -hmm. So I started writing down my dreams and, and, and goals within it's almost instantaneously the universe started dropping things into my lap that I had wanted and then I'm like oh, okay so now I'm heading towards one you know heading towards these different things now what is my what is that one thing that I ultimately want and I decided that I ultimately wanted to be uber successful in business do video do podcast and I'll you know go without you know romantic stuff or anything else in the, in my life for a while just so I can achieve my goal so I zeroed in on it based upon writing my perfect day writing my goals referring awesome. to it on a daily basis 
it, it, it will change your life. Anyone who's listening to my voice right now, um, you're blessed, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. Um, you know, wow. I, I double-dog dare you to go write your goals down and review them on a daily basis, but write them in the tense that it, hap it has already happened or happening to you at this very moment. Never hold back on any level. Go for that big, yeah, big hairy, scary thing that we call the BHAG, the you know, big, hairy, audacious goal, yep. and yeah. go for it. What if you don't hit it? Who cares? So you'll land right next to it. Dude, you're still way better than, than you were today, and it will bring your mind right down to that one thing that is ultimately the most important thing for you. Absolutely right, and we've all been to seminars where we hear people say the exact, exact same thing that you said, but most people don't take the time to do it. Yeah. Do you know what? The, you know what the funny thing is? If I could tell you, I have the secret to life, and there's a 95% chance of you achieving it. 95% chance. Would you do it? <laughs> Everyone's like, yes. I'm like, great. <laughs> Go write down your goals and review them on a daily basis. Only three to five percent of the people will ever do that, but they have a 95% chance of success of being successful. Jack Campfield, the author of all the um, you know Chicken Soup of the Souls, he says that he'll achieve about 85 to 90 percent of his goals every single year when he writes them down, and he'll achieve the other five percent next year. I think I think I like to do it like this also. Like in terms of sales goals, have like some th sort of a thermometer. You know, you measure it. And hey, look at this. I'm pretty close to my goal. Congratulations. It reminds me, hey, it really works. My business really works. <laughs> not so fast, champ. You still got some white space here. It adds a little bit of stress, and there's nothing wrong with stress. There's nothing no. wrong. It's most people don't know how to manage that. You know, that means yeah, I got to wake true. up early. I got to come back in. I got to pound that phone. I got to book another gig. So I can color it in, and when I do, it's like yippee! I colored in some, I colored in some red space. So I'll, what I'll do, I'll have like my monthly, and then I'll have my dry race. So my first week it was okay. It was a short week. I took Friday off. You know, I've got the next week in June, the next week in June, next week and next week. I got it all lined out here. So each week, and, and I got to color this in. I'm probably about, uh, probably about 25% to my goal for this week before 10 o'clock this morning, so I'm going to color that in. So on a week-by-week -week basis, even have a visual representation of what those numerical goals are for you. I love so now, that. Yeah, so now, it's, and it's simple, it's simple. doesn't cost a thing, takes a few minutes, 99%, 98%, and eh, they're not going to do it. That's okay. It's more for us. It's That's more fun. for us. Do you, do, you ever do, do you ever do little rewards for yourself? So let's say you make your goals for that week. Do you like allow yourself a half day on Friday? Or do you do yeah. something that's special, that, just that, little, that little, like, little thing that you love to do? Ramen noodles for lunch, man. At the food truck, ramen noodles for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. If I book this gig, I'm getting ramen noodles for lunch. Oh, I did not expect that. <laughs> no, no, it's like uh, who's that? Michael Masterson said that he's he books out his schedule so that he's never more than two hours away from a pleasurable experience. That's awesome. <laughs> great, great quote. Oh. For him, it might be jujitsu though. That's that's a little bit different, but uh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> doing <laughs> jujitsu every day at lunch. That's that's a little bit different, but it's a, it's a good principle. But I think yeah, a lot of this leads back to we talked about opportunity and turning down certain opportunities to really zero in on the ones that that link up with what you really care about. And then it comes down to some of the other concepts that he talks about, which are time blocking. And I think when you talk about like the intensity and the execution parts, it really comes down to okay. If you're serious about doing what you claim that you want to do, you're going to block it out in your schedule so you actually do it. But then when it gets to it, you're going to have the intensity to stick with your time block so that you actually execute. And that's, I think that's if people follow through with the goal setting, the next place they stumble is on sticking and following through with their time blocking, which is what he talked about a lot. And I think a good thing they can do, and I don't, I don't remember if this was written in his book, but I remember this a long time ago from a, a tape series uh, called, it was written by the guy that wrote The Time Trap, Alec Guinness, I think his name was, uh, or McGinnis. But there was a tape series, and I can't find it anywhere. I mean, I, I bought it a long time ago. I mean, years and years and years ago. I can't find it on CD or... or Wait, or, are you saying yeah. tape? Tapes? Yeah, yeah, that's right. We're, so back, we're not dating you at all. I'm just... I'm just <laughs> back, I didn't hear that. <laughs> a long time ago, before the internet, they had these, uh, they had these tapes. <laughs> I know, I know. Enough, enough, but see, this is the thing. I would go to as many. I would go to as many. Uh, you know, Brian Tracy would come to to Phoenix wherever when I was living there. I mean, every month I go see a different sales trainer, and my policy was I'm buying everything that they're selling. Where it got a special four hundred fifty dollars for all my tapes. I'm buying it all. I mean, I'd be the guy. I'd have the stack of stuff. <laughs> I, bought, I, I bought a lot of bad stuff, but I got some really good nuggets in there also. Yeah. Uh, so, so one of the one of the concepts of of and, and there's no such thing as time management. Time happens whether we like it or not. It's personal management. You know, it's it's decisions and actions. That's all it is. It's nothing else to it but decisions that we make and actions that we take. Mm-hmm. Like Elon Musk, he has the same 24 hours that we do, and he's running three one billion plus dollar companies. Yeah, that's okay. right. I mean, what what did he do different? Time blocking and dedication and going full in. On his decision, down what he spent a couple, a couple hundred million he made off of what was it Yelp or Pay whatever money. it was, and Pay then he money. went down, yeah. to, and then he had to go get rent rent money because he went all in. I mean that's yeah. commitment. I'm sorry if I had a couple hundred million dollars and I'm like I'm keeping that. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but, but, yeah, what, yeah. What one thing I thought of with the time blocking? Let's say you do your time block on your Google Calendar. I use my name, the Google Calendar, and I like to have different color codes for different activities. So I'm going to time block my admin. I'm going to make that gray. I'm calling clients. I'm going to make that green. You know, I'm doing something else. I'm going to make that blue. Different activities. So let's say you can print it out and you take like a red felt tip pen or something like that. I know it's paper. It's, it's paper. Let's say you print it out. It's not high tech. But you can do this every time you do something that's not scheduled during that time block. Time block, put like a red dot. The very first time I did this, in the first hour, I had 18 red dots. I was scheduled mm. to do something, but I did wow. something else. And so it taught me that I'm not effective in execution. But just that very exercise of paying attention and counting how many times you do what you're not supposed to be doing in that hour, just that very action itself causes an immediate correction and an immediate improvement to your own personal effectiveness because now you're aware. Now you're paying attention. Uh, when I was 24, I was a naval officer and I taught dimming management methods. I, you know, After my shore duty tour, I was on a ship, got to teach leadership. Was, the Navy had a new initiative called Total Quality Management. And w. Edwards Deming 
was an American consultant in the 1950s. He went to Japan. He taught the Japanese how to manage, and the rest is history. He was able to help bring their economy out of their recession. And so that's in the early 80s. Everybody's like, "Wow, what's going on with the Japanese? You know, they're building high quality." That's that was uh, the initiate. You know, the beginning of the quality movement. And so at a young age, I taught thousands of naval officers and senior enlisted and civil service workers some of these concepts about measurements, about paying attention, about what are the charts and graphs, the statistical process control, how can we measure the inputs to get better outputs. And I saw that when you work for the government, the harder that you work, the more your pay stays the same. These are people <laughs> that have no it's amazing. financial incentive. I know. And for them, it's just... There's no, there's no expectation of a bonus, yeah. but yet these were people that were passionately committed to doing a good work. Why is that? It's the emotional connection between who I am and what I do and the long-term vision, keeping this country safe, you know, being able to provide support to the sailors and the Marines that are out on, this, on, this, on the oceans, keeping everybody else safe. And there's an emotional context to work. And so I saw that if I can help people start improving how they uh, perform as a worker or as a manager, and if I can work with the managers to help them really understand, you've got to connect the vision with people coming to work. Everybody comes to work for a different reason. You've got to figure out what that is and connect the two together. You know, your chocolate to my peanut butter it makes the world a happier place. It's synergy. It's great. Mm -hmm. Well, and that, that's a great segue because you've written a book on that exact topic. I want to make sure that you oh, yeah. give people a chance to find out about it. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And it's, it's called Why They Follow. You can find it on Amazon. My concept of doing anything is let's find out why things work, do more of that, why they don't work, do less of that. Let's find out why people follow and lead based on why they're going to follow. So it's why they follow, how to lead with positive influence. And you can find it on Amazon or on my site at scottlove.com. Are, are you by any chance on Audible? As Not, well? yet. Not yet. No, okay. I, don't, I just released this in January, oh, so okay. I don't have anything with audio on that just yet. Okay. <laughs> Sadly, Greg will never read your book then. <laughs> I'm on auto, Audible right now. I'm like, tell you myself, I'll read a chapter to you. I'll, I'll, I, should, I should do that. That's a good that's idea. Right. No, that's nice self narrated. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to honor your time, but uh, we could talk about this for a long time because it gets to some really cool uh, core concepts. But the main book that we covered is The One Thing by Gary Keller. If you haven't already read it, it's uh, it's phenomenal. It's a great, great introduction to really zeroing in uh, on, on the 20% of what you do that produces 80% of the results. So if you haven't studied much up on the 80-20 principle through other books like Richard Cook and all that stuff, uh, and you're, this is your first entrance to it, The One Thing is a great intro to that concept as well as time blocking and a bunch of other stuff that he talks about. It's, it's a phenomenal book, so go pick that up. And uh, and Scott, we'll keep an eye out for you. You're going to be speaking all across the country on employee loyalty. Is that right? That's correct. Employee loyalty. How managers can get their people to become more loyal, which increases retention, it decreases turnover, and it makes it a better place to work, which ultimately attracts high achievers. Very cool. Yeah, yeah that's very cool. cool. Awesome. Well, guys, with that, we will uh, put a bow on this one. This has been the Pursuing Results Podcast. Just want to thank you so much for listening and watching. If you enjoyed what you've uh, seen and heard, make sure to subscribe on YouTube and then head on over to iTunes and Stitcher and uh, subscribe there. And until the next interview, thank you so much, guys. See you, See you fellas. Thanks a lot.